This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. This is without question the most comfortable red sweater I've had on in six years. Uh, playoffs? What are you doing with a school bag on stage? You can't even read. If I don't eat breakfast, I'm f***ing pistol. And it's a deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Come around. Reverses it. And the pass goes into the end zone. The Nick and it's a touchdown by Nick Foles. Alba inside. It's Messi. And uh, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the almost world-famous Wide Open Sportscast. We are broadcasting to you live for the last time from our friendly confines of the studios of New Hope, Pennsylvania. It is Tuesday, August 28th. The time is 6.20 p.m. And it is hot outside, my friend. Very. It is boiling outside. I am Feds. And I am Rick. So, as you might have heard, you might be like, well, what the heck? This is the last recording in the New Hope studio. We are not coming to an end. We are still going to be here and still be bringing you the podcast every week or two. But rather, you're going to be getting two different studios uh, as we are looking to expand the podcast a little we will now have two different studios why don't you tell us a little bit about that rick so uh from i am going to be moving to flemington new jersey feds I welcome don't know back where... to the right side of the river yeah thank you where i can do some sports betting on my phone thanks to DraftKings, not sponsored but i wish uh so I will be uh, moving back to Flunky, New Jersey, back to my childhood home, uh, living with my dad after uh, my, my mother's passing, so kind of help him readjust, help mm-hmm. me readjust, help me save some money type Very thing. Nice. You are still in West Trenton, but I don't know where the hell you're going to end up. I will be moving shortly as well. I will be looking to move closer towards my job. Even though I will miss my uh, West Trenton apartment, it's been... Four years living there. I can't believe you've been there four years. That, that blew by. I dude, I, I, you're telling me. I, I, I'm literally numb to the fact now that the airplanes come flying right above my apartment. But um, it will, it will be missed. But it'll definitely be nicer to have a shorter commute. So with Rick to that, I say, cheers to the final. Wait for it. There it is. The final recording in New Hope. Pennsylvania of the Wide Open Sportscast. Cheers, brother. So we will still be coming to you live from Flemington and wherever the heck I keep saying I'm live. Moving. We're not live. Well, I don't know why we keep doing that. We're going to be broadcasting to you, and you will hear us maybe a day after we We're not are broadcasting live. either. We're recording. We are recording. What the hell? We really need to get our time yeah. to that. Yeah. We are recording from... We will be recording from Flemington and wherever the heck I move to in New Jersey as well. And again, you can find us at the Wide Open Sportscast. You can find us on our Twitter feed at Wide Open underscore sports. And let's see if I can get it right this week. You can find us on SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn, and iTunes at Wide Open Sportscast. Nice. Yes. You did it. We're off to a good start here, bud. Other than our terminology. Yes, sir. So... How about someone who's not off to a good start to this year? Uh, a little bit of a shocking season as we get into it with college football. 
where Urban Meyer has been handed only a three-game suspension after a two-week investigation into his involvement with his assistant coach Zach Smith's history of abusing his wife. Rick, what do you think of this three-game suspension for Urban Meyer? Um, so I was I was thinking uh, a few things were a couple things were possible. I was thinking there would be a suspension, uh, but I only thought it was going to be for two games. Uh, and I also thought maybe the uh, the self suspension from Ohio State would kind of like over, would would be enough suspension for the NCAA that he'd be able to return back week one. Um, I I'm pretty indifferent uh, for a couple reasons. I mean, first off, their schedule their first two games are against Oregon State and Rutgers. <laughs> Rutgers. So yeah, so. That should be no problem. For the first two games, they should be able to walk away, even with an interim head coach, walk away with a win in both those games. On the re- on the record here, um, us being both from New Jersey, obviously Rutgers, birthplace of football, New Jersey's college football team. We do like them, even though I am a Michigan fan, and Rick, you are a Penn State fan. Yes. But you can't help but laugh at Rutgers. Yeah, I mean they're well. I mean they they jumped into the belly's beast a few years ago, jumping from the Big East to the uh, Big Ten. Yeah. So I mean they're I mean they just got to rebuild there. But the uh, going back to my point, the only game that they need to be worried about is their third game of the year, which is against TCU. TCU uh, is ranked number sixteen right now. It's probably the only threat that they're gonna have. With Until Urban they Meyer. really get into Big Ten play, but uh, only when Urban Meyer mm-hmm. uh, is gone. That's really the only big threat that I think they should be worried about. Um, so I think they made it three games for that reason. To be perfectly honest, right? Uh, so that way they could say like, "Oh, we're not sitting him out for the cupcake games." I mean, Oregon State is still a pretty decent team in the Pac-12. Yeah, they're pretty decent. They're not playing teams like Jacksonville State or Florida Mid-Atlantic Southern Coast, like some random Division AA school. So Oregon State, and to be fair, again, it's Rutgers, but it's still another Big Ten opponent. They're not picking up, like, Stephen F. Austin the first week of the season. No. And none of those games. So, crazier things have happened. It's college football. I mean, Michigan lost to Appalachian State. You know? Anything happens. I'm trying to think. If one of you could, on the listening to this podcast, reach out and tell us if we don't figure it out in the next few seconds. What Division AA team was it last year that got paid to play one of the big schools in college football, like a top 25 school, and beat them. So they got paid to beat one of the quote-unquote big boys of the college football world. Mm, I have no idea. So if you can figure that out, let us know. Uh, But back to Urban Meyer. I mean, I'm trying not to let the biased Michigan side of me come out that he should never be seen again. He should have been expelled. I see the sides of the argument and, and where people are saying, you know, he did report it and it was something along the lines of the school, but he still, to me, mishandled it. And I didn't really, really fond of his comments when he was pretty much just like, yeah, sorry, we're in this situation. Uh, Urban Meyer, you got anything else to add? Sorry, we're in this situation. 
I mean, I mean, he he can't say anything there. Yeah, he cannot say anything to get himself more in trouble. So, I mean, no, I I don't know if it's you kind of being biased as a Michigan fan there. Mm-hmm. You cannot say anything that I'm, I, excuse me. You I, cannot say anything that will get yourself in trouble there. Yeah, any, any more trouble than he is already in. I, I'm I'm just still so much more in the case that. I believe I firmly believe, and again, I'm not trying to be biased Wolverine guy here, even though I know it's going to come out a little bit. I just think that other coaches have gotten fired for less. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but first but off, isn't that a problem though? It is definitely a problem. That, that is a problem. That is, I will agree with you that that is a problem. That coaches have been fired for less. And again, Rick and I both go here on the record, recording the Wide Open Sportscast, saying that domestic abuse, any type of abuse, is one hundred percent wrong and should be punished. But like you said, the fact that coaches have been fired for less, yes. where this was a mishandling of a domestic abuse case, and it was like. I, I'm not going to call it a slap on the wrist because, again, they're not playing some school like California's Berkeley Hills of Hollywood Street, some random double-A, should be a Division two or Division three school. Um, they're, they're, they have a Pac-12 opponent, a Big 12 opponent, and a Big 10 opponent. So it's not necessarily, oh, Ohio State's going to walk through these games 70 to nothing. They could beat Rutgers 70 to nothing. Yeah. Um, but... I, I just think it should have been a little bit more. Okay. But I just feel like, who am I to judge? Because I'm judging off the fact that my full-hearted belief is that domestic abuse is wrong, period. And like I said, coaches have been fired for less, which I agree with you is a problem. But with that being said, I just feel like Ohio State did... A very, very good job of keeping the details of this very close to their chest. Yeah, but... That, that allowed them to make this decision of only three games. It's not like well, some... Well, that was the NCAA. That wasn't... Yeah. It's, not, it's not, not like some bombshell report dropped in the middle of the investigation. Oh, all right, he's got he got to fire him now. Get rid of him. Like, there was none of that happened. I, well, Where I mean, it feels like I feel like that happens every single time there's any type of investigation. It's some bombshell report drops yeah i mean it wasn't i mean it's obviously serious but it wasn't like a bombshell like you said yeah and in a way probably the reason why he got so little was because there was some sort of report done but just nothing happened with it right so that that's where urban meyer and the university are at fault so three games urban meyer like that, that makes sense to me. I think something should have came down on Ohio State. I don't know if anything really did. Anything major I mean, did. Again, for us saying there's problems. Mm-hmm. Look what happened with Larry Nassar. Yeah. What's come down on Michigan State for that? Nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. He's abused and assaulted hundreds of girls. And. People say if Michigan State had stepped in when they were supposed to and knew what he was doing, he would have never gotten up to the gymnastics team where he abused even more women. Yeah. What did Michigan State get? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Well, did they know? Records say that they did and that they covered it up. Okay. That there were covered up um, stories. So, I, that... I mean, there is politics, and that's... that's Life. <laughs> well, that's worse. 
Yeah. So I mean, if you're 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 com- you're comparing like a grape to the size of an orange there. Mm-hmm. So I mean, or the size of a melon actually. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I I think Urban Meyer got what he deserved. Yeah, definitely for the preseason. Definitely, you know, the, the and suspension. I, I, honestly, I would have been fine with two games, but I'm 100%. They made a third game just because it's an actual ranked game that they have to play. Right. So there, there is some sort of risk going into week three for Ohio State. but And I, I still don't think Oregon State can be that much of a walkover either. No. I... I would love to see Rutgers beat them, but I think Rutgers, I think, has only put up something like two touchdowns in the last two years against Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State. It, it's it is something historically bad. Yeah, I think they scored three points two years ago against those four schools combined. In one season. Yeah, well, that shit happens. Yep, yeah, what are you going to do? Well, let's jump into uh, some good news about college football. Yeah, one that's actually starting, and two, the rankings are up. Feds, who do you think will be the top four going into the the playoffs? Well, not the top four, but the four going into the playoffs. Well, let's see here. So, taking a look at the first AP poll going into week one. Again, there have been some games, but... It was against. Yeah, it was like Jacksonville State and Tulane. Uh, the top 25 poll, Alabama. I mean, I think Alabama, again, we had this debate a few episodes. Who had a better quarterback situation, the Eagles or Alabama? Um, with two national championship caliber quarterbacks, Nick Saban has kept it very close to the chest about what's going to happen with who's going to win the starting job. And knowing Nick Saban, we're not going to find out until they take the field for the first offensive snaps of the season. Uh, Got Clemson at number two, Georgia third, Wisconsin fourth, Ohio State fifth, Washington sixth, Oklahoma seventh, Miami eighth, Auburn ninth, Penn State tenth, and then some other big names in there. Michigan State is 11th, Notre Dame 12th, Michigan is 14th, um, USC is 15th, Florida State 19th with the asterisks next to it last year's national champions the undefeated University of Central Florida Golden Knights are 21st uh Texas 23rd LSU 25th uh I mean I you're not gonna bet against Alabama yeah I agree they've been in it ever since the college football playoff became a thing you're not gonna bet against Alabama you're not gonna bet against Clemson ACC, I mean, Miami, maybe, I think in here, when you're looking at this top 25, might be the only team that has a shot of taking them out. Yeah, they got to get the turnover chain right. Yeah, so we'll see if the U can do it. This is Georgia's problem. Even though Georgia is in the SEC division that does not include Bama, they're in the one where they're going to be playing teams like Florida, Tennessee, their road, if they're stuck at the three or the four, they're going to have to, more than likely, unless Auburn pulls off what they do once in a blue moon and beat a number one Alabama team, Georgia's going to have to beat Bama. Because then you have SEC champions already in there. And then you got Clemson winning the ACC. 
and then you're the the Big Ten is gonna have somebody. They showed the precedent last year putting Ohio State in. Ohio State made it. Was not a Big Ten champion. Yeah. Which I didn't agree with. Yeah, not at all. Um and then Yeah, I, I, I don't think I think the problem with Georgia is the road has to go through Alabama. And then the Pac-12, Washington's decent. You got the Big 12. You have Oklahoma is good. Like, I definitely think Alabama and Clemson get in. And then I believe it's either going to be the winner of the Big 10, whether that's Ohio State, Michigan State, um, Penn State, Penn State or Michigan, one of those four teams because that other side. Or Wisconsin. Could be Wisconsin. Wisconsin is currently number four. Can't be talking about Ohio State when Wisconsin's actually ranked above them. And you could see the Big 12, Washington, Stanford is up there. Stanford's 13th. I would say my gut would be Bama first, Clemson second. I'm going to go Wisconsin third, Washington fourth. What about you? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat there. Um. But I could definitely see USC. I, I, I've read that they've gotten some pretty good recruits there. Mm-hmm. USC being the Pac-12 rep instead of Washington. So I, I would say USC instead there. Get into the Final Four. Hey, Washington has been a team that has been up on the rise. Um, I mean, they've been – they've for a team that's not Alabama and Clemson, they've been like the most consistent team. Yes. I mean, actually, maybe Clemson wasn't really that consistent because they lost to Syracuse last year. But, I mean, consistently in the playoffs. Washington's going to go as far as Jake Browning takes them. Their yes. Heisman caliber quarterback. I agree. Um, Bryce Love, running back from Stanford, is currently leading the way for the way-too-early Heisman watch along with Wisconsin running back Jonathan Taylor. Um, you would like this. Trace McSorley is in the Heisman candidate watch from Penn State. Unless he has some amazing year, I don't think he's going to win it. This is the thing with that Big Ten. You got the leaders and the legends division, whatever it may be. That one Big Ten division. You have four of the five best teams are all in that same group together. It's not like... um. Wisconsin doesn't really have that many tough games to get to the Big Ten title. Where Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State, and even Iowa finds its way in there. They all beat up on each other. So you always got to wonder, like, how is that going to affect that Big Ten title game when you've seen Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State go through the ring or whichever one of the four gets out out of that and into the Big Ten game, you're going to have Wisconsin that basically just has a cakewalk into the Big Ten final. But again, it's college football. Anything can happen. Yeah, very true. So, I don't know. Rick, which week one games are you looking forward to the most? So, I was looking. I actually have three Okay. Uh, that I kind of want to go over. First is actually, uh, we were just talking about Washington versus Auburn. Number six versus number nine. I think that's that can yeah. definitely flip the boards real fast. Yeah. Uh, the second one that I wanted to look at was uh, it was nineteen and twenty Virginia Tech versus Florida State. Now that won't be like a huge flip, 
But that's still a big top twenty showdown. Yeah, and two, two ACC, two ACC schools exactly. And uh, last one, you're probably gonna like this. Well, maybe if it goes your way, Michigan and uh, Notre Dame. That's my number one. Yeah. Uh, Who in their right mind thought it was a good idea to cancel the Michigan Notre Dame rivalry? Somewhere, someone along the line said, "Let's get rid of it," and within two years, they brought it back. Yeah. So that's why I'm so excited, uh, not only as a Michigan fan, but as a college football fan, you should be excited that they decided to bring back the Michigan-Notre Dame rivalry. That's a 7.30 kickoff on Saturday, number 14, Michigan, at number 12, Notre Dame. Um, I'm looking at Miami against LSU. I think that'll be a good one on Sunday. Yeah, that was probably like my number four. West Virginia-Tennessee Yeah, is going to be a good one. I always get excited watching West Virginia. And a sleeper one. I'm going to be very interested to see how this one plays out. Texas and Maryland, just because of all the things that have happened with Maryland this year, with the death of one of their um, athletes. That, yeah, we, we really didn't cover that. Yeah. I felt, but I also felt like at the same time, that was kind of unfairly put to the side because of the Urban Meyer investigations. Yeah, but also at the same time, it's it seemed like a freak accident. Yeah, I uh, I mean, did did Maryland do anything necessarily wrong or right there? I can't really say because mm-hmm. it seems like they've it was a pretty normal thing that was going on. Right. So I don't know if they were doing the Oklahoma drill or what exactly, but they're in preseason. They're supposed to be working hard, and unfortunately. What happened happens to that yeah. kid. I mean, yeah, definitely sad. But, well, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think it's also interesting. Mich- uh, Maryland always always gets, seems like they get a lot of upset wins. Like, when, like, against teams they're not supposed to be competitive against. Yeah. So, I think that's uh, something to look forward to as well. I, I, I'm... I'm very excited for college football. I'm looking forward to getting free tickets to at least one Rutgers game um, from our buddy who usually has a connection for us. So, like, that one-off, like, weird Rutgers game where they have, like, New Mexico State. I remember I went to a Rutgers game. New Mexico against – they were playing New Mexico State. New Mexico State went up 28 nothing after the first quarter. Rutgers won 34-28. Yeah. So, I did, I'm not saying no to a free football game. Yeah, exactly. especially if somehow it, it happened two years ago that our buddy was able to get me into the Rutgers Michigan game, because no matter how bad Rutgers is, those tickets are going to be jacked up because of it's Michigan. There's a lot of Michigan alumni living in uh, New Jersey. They actually, when we were on the bus from the parking lot where we were tailgating to the stadium, they had a enormous Michigan alumni's um, barbecue going on. Like this giant field, literally looked like hundreds, if not at least a thousand people. It really? was huge. Oh, I bet. Huge, yeah. Um, so that's some stuff of college football. Can't wait for it to be back. If you want to give us some of your intake on the topic of college football, you can reach out to us on Twitter at wideopen underscore sports, and then don't forget that you can follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes. Google Play and tune in at Wide Open Sportscast. Rick, 
I have to give you credit for a phenomenal quote of the week. Yeah, I I, I had seen this like like right after we had left our last recording. I I thought I can't believe I let this one slip my mind. Yeah, man. The uh, the famous Bob Weil, Bobby Weil. So what what's this? What's the scoop with him? Well, he's the offensive line coach, and I think we we should just let him say it himself because this is from Hard Knocks. Last week's Hard Knocks uh, number three, episode three, I believe. So uh, if you could play that real quick, and then we'll uh, give it a little discussion. Stretch is way overrated. Did you know World War One, World War Two, all those guys that fought in that war, right? They did push-ups, jumping jacks, sit-ups, climbed the rope, and ran. But none of this fancy shit, okay? Right? And they won two world wars. Two world wars by doing jumping jacks, push-ups, and sit-ups. Two world wars. You think they were worried when they're running across Normandy about fucking stretching? Are you kidding me? Huh? Well, let me see. Give me my rubber band so I can stretch to run across that fucking beach. You gotta be kidding me. That that was classic. <laughs> Who needs stretching? Who needs that? I mean, he does bring up a very valid point. We won two world wars on push-ups, sit-ups, and jumping jacks. I mean, there was also some bullets involved there, but who needs stretching? Come yeah. on. Do you really? I, I like how Just the one jump line, on that treadmill and run. Who I, needs stretching? I love how the one guy, uh, the one lineman said, I mean, there may, may have been a few uh, pulled hammies on the way. Yeah. I don't think they're worried about pulled hammies when they're being shot upon on Normandy. I will agree with Bob Wild on that. But the who needs stretching? Pretty funny. <laughs> Given today's sports science, the old dumb fuck you, Chip Kelly, you know, sports science and everything like that. Um, yeah, <laughs> the last thing anyone ever wants to hear in today's day and age is who cares about stretching. I mean, my athletes take about 25 minutes to stretch every practice. It's about really? a quarter of our practice. Well, because we yell at them to hurry it up and then they get it down to like 15 minutes. <laughs> But if we could let them stretch, they could stretch for they could stretch for two hours and practice would be over. True. <laughs> uh, but that that was great. That, yeah. was, that was a great find. Um, but leading in with the uh, quote of the week, let's talk uh, some big uh, big paychecks this week. Cha-ching! Odell Beckham guaranteed you mean, sixty uh, million. Do you see Black Panther? Yeah, I did. You mean Eric Killmonger? I am too. He literally looks just like him. He literally looks like Odell Beckham is the bad guy in Black Michael, Panther. He's Michael he's B. Mike, Jordan. He is Odell Beckham Jr. is Michael B. Jordan. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll let you have that It's like one. one of those whole Adele is Sam Smith and Sam Smith is Adele conspiracies. What the fuck? Yeah. I I'll, I'll, that yeah, I'll, I'll show you later. Okay. Um, But whatever you think it is, Odell Beckham Jr. is now the highest paid wideout in NFL history. The Giants lost a lot of cap space, I'll tell you that. It's like a total of 95 million, 60 million guaranteed over like and it's most of it in the first 3 years of his 5-year contract. The way the Giants front office put it, they said we have him until he's 108 years old. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, I mean, yeah, it's The devil it's, said that about Kovalchuk. <laughs> this is very risk versus reward. Especially for a guy coming off of a season-ending injury. Yeah, but he the reward is before he's been the he's been in the NFL for four years. For the first three years, I mean, ten plus TD catches, uh, 
a th- over a thousand yards receiving. Oh yeah, I'm coming from an Eagles like nine, fan, he 90, is very talented. Ninety some receiving yards each one of those years. Yeah, be, his, being an Eagles fan, he is very talented. You can't I mean, take that away from him. You know what he has, and his he had he has a strong worth work ethic, but the risk comes in with his emotion. If if the team isn't doing good, he's gonna show it and. He isn't the best with his emotions. We've all known that. And he has a love-hate relationship with the um kicking stands. Yeah. And it's very interesting because right now uh the Giants are kind of building the NFC version of what the Steelers have. Mhm. Like one of the top wideouts. Very very good young running back. Very, very good running backs. Veteran Super Bowl quarterback. Veteran Super Bowl quarterbacks. Now, the problem is with the Giants is with the Steelers, they built this years ago. I mean, unfortunately, it's not paid off yet, but they built this years ago, like five years ago. Right. So they've had this in order. This is brand new. So the possibility of them making something here is could happen, and especially with Saquon Barkley back there, could revitalize Eli Manning's career because Eli Eli Manning's career is at the sunset of his career unless unless something there can save him because TB12 method yeah well I don't think he's eating avocado toast but (laughs) he is uh he hasn't been doing great the past few years I mean last year when you lose like four year receivers and you have no running game I mean and you have an incompetent coach. I mean, there's nothing you with can really an incompetent do. offensive line. Yeah, this year they're they have probably one of the best running backs. I mean, fantasy wise, he's supposed to be one of the best running backs. He's like in the top five or top six, depending on what list you're looking at. Uh, he could, and I mean, he is a monster. We know that, but you have to see how he does behind this line. I mean, against the Browns a few weeks ago, he broke that one huge run. Uh, I believe it was week one of preseason. And he's done other things during that time, but you still have to see. It's still almost an unknown. He's done great in preseason, but still an almost an unknown with Saquon Barkley so far. Mm-hmm. Odell Beckham, you know what you got. Eli Manning, it's it's confusing what you have. What another comparison I can think of is they're building this team, but it's almost like what the Texans have been for years. The Texans had a Super Bowl caliber team, but didn't have the quarterback. Correct. If the Texans had a legit quarterback a few years back with a Deshaun and any, give them Philip Rivers. Give them Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. They they could have definitely made it into the playoffs a lot farther because with the Andre Johnsons, uh, I mean now they have Miller. They have. But now they are pushing forward, and they actually have a competent quarterback. Which, speaking of that quarterback, I want to bring up a question to you later. Okay. But is it more like they're building a Steelers-type team? Or are they in the scenario of what the Texans were a few years back with all those weapons with a pretty good damn defense? Yeah. Because, I mean, the Giants' defense is pretty good this year, too. It's not the best, but it's definitely not the worst. I, I think the Giants are going to be in a, in a 500 team. Could be a little bit better. Yes. 
And that, I mean, again, I've been saying it on the podcast for a little bit now. Coming from an Eagles fan, if you think the Giants are going to stink again this year, you're wrong. I think that they're going to have a decent, you know, I, I'm, I'm predicting eight and eight, nine and seven, but they're definitely not going three and thirteen again, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I, definitely. I, that's not that definitely as, not as long as everything again. stays healthy, everyone stays healthy. I completely agree with that. Eight and eight, I don't know. They, I. I I would need to really look into how good I think they're going to do and look into their season schedule. But until then, where I guess next week we should probably be doing a NFL preview, legit mm-hmm. one. Uh, I mean, that NFC, the whole NFC is I mean, in it's a hard division. a tough year. Well, it's not only is it the NFC East with the Eagles, Redskins, Cowboys, and Giants where no one ever wins that division back-to-back years. They have the NFC South. So they're getting... Falcons, Panthers, Saints, and they're getting the AFC South as well, which I mean, not as strong, but you'll still the Texans, the Texans, the Jags. I mean, Texans, Jags. I mean, that two defenses that are real hard. Can't sleep on the Titans. Titans Titans are still a playoff team. Titans are like a mystery team to me. Yeah, they. I mean, they could. That's like rolling dice for Yahtzee. Yeah, they're either gonna hit it or they're not. Marcus Mariota is gonna pass to himself again. Which is like one of the most incredible things. That, it, I still watch that in astonishment. I mean, that Andy Reid has been a part of two different teams in the playoffs that had the worst like fall after a second half. That that was one of them. That was yeah. I think that was the worst. The other one was when he was with the Eagles. I forget which game, but he had a pretty bad one with the Chiefs when they had the Colts a few years ago. When the Colts won, oh, the you know AFC what? Championship I, it, it may have been both. They with had the Colts. a huge second half. I, th- I, th- I think you're right. I think it, I think it was both. The That's Colts. why I called that collapse against the Titans. I was like, remember a few years ago they were in the same exact spots. Like the score lines and everything were exactly the same when they blew a big second half lead to the Colts. Because I remember I was watching. We had like a neighborhood party because I was home for a break from um, our time at Ryder. And we watched the Chiefs lose to the Colts and blow that big game. And my one neighbor was a Chiefs fan, so he left disgusted. And then right after that, the Drew Brees marched the Saints downfield to kick a game-winning field goal to knock out the Eagles in uh, Nikki Six's 26-2 and year. Yeah. So, speaking of which, Rick, did the Eagles miss out on an opportunity to trade Nick Foles with the preseason that he's having? Or do you still believe in jolly old St. Nick? Um. Well, I think we had this discussion the other day off the uh, podcast, mm-hmm. where you were saying they're not running; they're they're kind of running a little bit of a different offense this year. Which Nick Foles does a complete system QB RPOs, baby. If one read, <laughs> if he isn't in the right system, then you cannot have him on your team. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have the stats on him. But I know he's thrown too many picks. Yeah, he did. The, the Browns get he looked bad. I mean, you looking at the stats, he had a good stat line. He threw for like 130 yards, and he was like 11 for 14. But then you looked at he tripped in the end zone on his own, gave the Browns a safety. Yep. Got strip sacked, threw a pick into double coverage to like our fifth string wide receiver, and then. Had a very impressive drive, got us to the four-yard line, and threw a pick to Zach Ertz, who was triple-covered. Literally Mm -hmm. triple-covered and tried to thread the needle. And something that's worrying is, again, Wentz hasn't been cleared. Even though he's cleared for 11-11, he hasn't been cleared for contact yet. 
And yeah. if you've been watching any type of interviews, uh, Dougie P is not having it anymore. They asked him the same day, and he called out all the reporters on it this week. He said, you asked me the same damn question every week, but you word it wrong. By asking and asking, is Wentz ready? Is Wentz ready? And Dougie P just keeps saying, he's, we're just going to play it as it goes. We're not telling you anything. We're not going to put a timetable around it or anything. When the doctors say he's ready, he's ready. Uh, news that literally came out just as we hit record on the podcast is oh, Alshon will be missing what looks like the first two games of the season. Oh. So he is definitely missing Atlanta that Thursday night and looks like he'll be missing the Bucks. But again, I'm not I'm not really worried about that Bucks game because it's the Bucks and Jameis Winston's out. But you're taking out now if Wentz isn't ready, you're gonna have Foles who hasn't had the best preseason, but then again, look at what happened against the Raiders and then the first half of that Atlanta game and then he lit up the best defense in the NFL and then beat Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> so crazier things have happened. And I think Doug Peterson is definitely going to scheme and is going to find a way to make it work for Foles in the meantime. I'm not saying my confidence... I am confident in Foles to get the job done. But I'm confident in Foles getting the job done because Doug Peterson is going to put him in a position where he is going to succeed. And right now... You can only hope that. You can only hope that because, again, the coach does the preparation, the play calling. They have to go out and actually do the plays. But right now, it's not like, again, it's, I hate saying the old adage, it's preseason. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, and, but Foles has not been out there that game against the Browns. The only starter he was out there with was Zacherts. Yeah, so there, there is that, but I mean, that doesn't mean he should be throwing picks left and right. Oh, it looks bad. So like, I, I even think... if Aguilar, Alshon, Corey Clement, uh, Jai, if they were all out there, his throws were getting picked by any defense in the NFL. Maybe even some college football defenses as well. Alabama probably would have picked them off a few times. Yes, and, but you, the good thing right now about the Eagles, I mean, if you think about it from last week's preseason game. They only let the Browns score five times, and three of those are two of those points. The That's defense wasn't even. Why on. they beat the Raiders? So, and they locked up that home, and they locked up home field advantage in the NFC because Foles literally had a nightmare—not the nightmare before Christmas, the nightmare on Christmas when they barely beat the Raiders on Christmas night, and Foles was extremely underwhelming. But that defense played off the wall. So. Let's let's think about it in this way. Foles may not be the one that has to carry the Eagles to wins. It's their defense that needs to carry them. Which showed in the past it's been able to. Yes. It's also showed it it really hasn't been able to with how I would say how they played against the Patriots. Yeah. So I mean they, they made the big play when they had to make the big play. But they need the offense to score all those points. Otherwise, they would have been screwed during the Super Bowl. Yeah. But, I mean, the, Patri- the Patriots are the Patriots. I mean, that's a whole different ball game there. They're, they're facing the Falcons, who Definitely are, coming in for some revenge. I, yes, but, like, the, at the same time. And some people are actually tipping them as their favorite to win the Super Bowl this year. Actually, I read earlier from Sports Illustrated, they're predicting Falcons over the Steelers. Interesting. Okay, I, I didn't know that. But, I mean, Falcons should be good this year. I mean, right now they they probably have, like, 
top ten of almost everything in their rating. Yeah, would be Freeman's a great running back. Offense. Matt Ryan. Uh, I was in a fantasy football draft last night, and Matt Ryan was not drafted. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, someone claimed him like off of waivers once the draft ended, right before I. How could. many people were drafted? Like in your league. It was like a regular league, but there were two defensive players. Interesting. Okay. So, I think uh, they're going to have problems week one, the Eagles are. Now, let's say that Wentz isn't ready until week three. Who'd you say they had for week two? They had the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Bucks. I mean, they have, they have to face against Ryan Fitzpatrick. You could, You can only hope. I mean, unless for some reason Fitzpatrick does a Fitzpatrick thing and, like, he'll have a breakout season like he did against with the Jets a mm-hmm. few years back, uh, that that should be a win. First week is going to be, I think, will be a struggle, especially if Carson Wentz isn't there. Now, did they lose out by not trading him? No, because I still think Nick Foles is one of the best backup quarterbacks you can have. They could have gotten a lot more probably at this point, but... Thinking about it, they are not the they are not the team with the best quarterback situation right now. The team with the best quarterback situation is probably the Jets. In mm-hmm. in essentially they could trade one of their QBs if they really needed to. I think more so than the Eagles, because they have Bridgewater, Darnold, and McCown. They're not trading Sam Darnold. That is that is their their new golden goose right there. Yeah. So it'd be either Bridgewater or McCown. I don't think many people would want McCown just because of his age. So Bridgewater would be the one that ha- would have to be traded. Uh, and I, I think he could find a starting job somewhere. Yes. And it's a, honestly a very close battle, but I would say between him and Darnold. I do think Darnold is probably going to get it. Uh He's played exceptionally well and made a lot of good decisions during the preseason. Yeah. Uh, that first game that they had, he looked so comfortable. Like, I remember him rolling out of the pocket and dropping a dime to someone in the end zone. They looked, He looked good. Yeah, and, I mean, they played – I mean, when he was in, he played pretty good against the Giants. They didn't win, but they, he played pretty good. And ah, it, the Snoopy Bowl. And if, if Darnold was in the whole time, I mean – that would be, I mean, it was a close game, but it'd be a close game between starters, between the Jets and the Giants. Mm-hmm. So, potentially, I I would say Darnold would win that. Well, actually, let's let's jump into kind of that. Uh, you know, Sports Illustrated had the Jets at 9-7 and seven this year and as a wild card team. I can believe it. If, I can believe it, too. I think the Jets are going to surprise a lot of people this year. Well, the Jets surprised us last year. We didn't think they were going to win shit. And yeah, we thought that they were going to be the 0-16 team, not the Browns. Because they literally, it literally looked like they had no one. But then they shocked us because they found these diamonds in the rough. Yeah. Diamonds in the rough players, and they're working. And now they have their future QB, who is looking pretty good for a rookie. Uh... I think he's going to start, but if Teddy Bridgewater starts, I would not be shocked. So, that that would not shock me at all. Um, if you want, if we want to kind of do like big QB battles right now, yeah, let's jump into that. Uh, I would say Darnold wins there. Agreed. I'm going to um, go with Darnold. Okay. Uh, another big one. We were talking about Hard Knocks before. 
would be Tyrod Taylor versus Baker Mayfield. Did you see Tyrod Taylor come back from that injury? Oh. When it looked like he completely dislocated his wrist against the Eagles and it was only like his pinky and he came back into the game? Yes, and I think... Even even though he has only nine fingers right now, Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starter for the Browns. He agreed. Unless something bad happens. And it's nothing on Baker. Like no. May- Mayfield's look good too. It's just Tyrod Taylor has done nothing wrong to Tyrod Taylor's done nothing wrong. He is he has been to the playoffs. He he can lead a team. He's a very underrated QB. He's a man on a mission this year. And he is a man on a mission this year. I completely agree. Because of uh, what the next team did to him which was completely unwarranted remember remember when they dropped him against the chargers to start nate peterman and peterman threw five picks in the first half and they're like oh tyrod get back in there sorry yeah so who do you think is going to win that bill's job is it going to be peterman or josh allen (sighs) josh allen the man who said that there were nine mistakes taken ahead of him i mean he's played pretty good i I, I'm a person that doesn't necessarily think that rookies should play their first year, mm-hmm. but I mean, Nate Peterman, I don't, I can't trust him, especially like, no. especially no. that last example that you gave. No, five picks in one game. I mean, he and then even he, go to the playoffs, right? Go to the playoffs. Tyrod Taylor had to go out, and Nate Peterman went in, and the Bills had to go drive downfield to go and beat pick. the Jags. He threw a pick. Yeah, like so, nothing good has ever come of Nate Peterman being a starting quarterback in the NFL. Nothing. I mean, that's harsh, but it's true. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna go with someone, it has to be Josh Allen. I feel like, uh-huh. even though he, even though I'm not sure if he's ready, it has to be Josh Allen. And I mean, even like for you saying not believing that rookie should play, look at the Eagles and Wentz. They went three and one to start the year. And I mean, it's not like you know they they ended up seven and nine in Wentz's rookie season, but look at how that paid off this year, you know, by getting him that time. But also, yeah, I mean, getting getting. But then time again, it's also good. how can you compare Carson Wentz to Josh Allen? Yeah, but I mean, I'm. But thinking then again, it, have we seen Josh Allen in the NFL yet? I'm thinking of it as more of like kind of like the Aaron Rodgers thing. He's, yeah, he sat behind uh, Brett Favre. Now, I mean, Josh Allen is not sitting behind Brett Favre if Nate Peterman goes. <laughs> so that that that's a completely different scenario. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying Tyrod Taylor going back to Cleveland. I'm not saying Tyrod Taylor is Brett Favre, but he is definitely a leader and a capable quarterback and underrated. So Baker Mayfield sitting behind Tyrod Taylor, I think it would be very good for him. I agree. Uh, if Darnold starts and Bridgewater's behind him. I almost can't. I I almost can't see Teddy Bridgewater being there that long, uh, but that I would say I'm 85 percent sure that Darnold's going to start. If but if Darnold sits behind Bridgewater and McCown, well, McCown is there. He Darnold's he, not sitting behind McCown. He's not sitting behind McCown, but McCown can teach. He's he's been brought into so many different scenarios to either teach or lead a broken team, and mm-hmm. he, as the journeyman of all journeymen. He knows football and knows how to play. Right. So he Darnold is in this niche group of QBs that have been there and done that in different ways, whether it be injury or leadership, different different teams adjusting to systems. McCown and Bridgewater have been there. So Darnold is probably in the best learning aspect of his career right now with these two different quarterbacks surrounding him. Fair. Uh he could be the starter, 
I'm 85% sure that he's going to be the starter, but it's not going to hurt him if he's behind Bridgewater. I think that would only benefit him. But, I mean, the Jets need to go with who is probably the best right at the moment. Mm-hmm. And they they drafted him high for a reason. So, Darnold is probably going to be starting, in my opinion. I agree with you there. So. He's looked impressive. You know? Yeah. It's nothing against those other two quarterbacks. Is Darnold look good. And then Josh Gordon is back. Speaking of the Browns again, is he going to make it till the end of the season? I I... I I seriously think Josh Gordon has learned his lesson. I think so too. Um, it's just it, it's been so many times, and and to his credit, he's done so much to get help. So that way he's he done so can. much to get help, but also also at the same time, I mean, this is the final straw. Yeah, pretty much. I'm I'm pretty sure if he does it again, then he's pretty much kicked out of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, there's no. It's very. It would be very hard for him to come back after. Sit. Like he's even if he's not actually kicked out, it's gonna be like a, I th- I think, still like a kicked out. I I think over like the past two seasons, he's played five games. Yeah, and none of them were because of injury. Yeah, it was because he was that weed. He was get off the damn <laughs> weed. weed. I was about to throw Stay that off in there. The yeah. damn but uh, weed. I, yeah, he he's back. I mean, he's going to be a lightning rod for these teams so or that or for the browns roster i mean it i will say this if josh josh gordon didn't come back i i 100 believe des bryant was going to be signed there i mean now they're saying des bryant might not sign until the season starts latest report i saw well uh des bryant actually i I was listening to uh i was listening to uh a video or yeah i was i was listening to something on the internet while i was at work today and des bryant pretty much said uh I'm probably not signing with the team until, like, mid-season. See, now, here's my thing. Whatever happened to Des Bryant leaving the Cowboys boardroom and saying, see you twice next year? Well, he probably heard somewhere that he was being signed by, like, the Redskins or something like that. (laughs) But that was – he said that before – the whole I mean, it's Kirk not... Cousins, Alex Smith debacle that was going on down in, down in uh, Washington. The Eagles are already astronomically over the cap space again. Yeah. So they're going to have to be cutting back. They're not getting them. And then the Giants just gave their next few years of wages to Odell. So his only option, if he's really going to make that statement true, is going to Washington. Yeah, but, I mean, I think his options right now would probably be like the Browns, uh-huh. um, Patriots maybe. Uh, no oh God, we don't need that. We don't. We don't need the Patriots to get Des. I don't. I would have to really research it, but I, yeah. I know those are two teams that he's went to for an interview. Mm-hmm. So until some team loses a big wideout, he's gonna be signed to that team. Probably. Yeah. I mean, he might as well. He's he's the top free agent probably right now. I. I. Yeah. And whenever a team needs something like that, I mean, the Redskins need a running back, so they got AP. Who looked good in his first game, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, it was like 11 touches, 56 yards. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean, for, for a guy old to get, like, about five yards per carry. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So so we'll be coming at you with our official NFL preview next week. Um, we'll see if we can get another two-hour extravaganza, get some guests down here for We will keep you in the loop. 
at wideopen underscore sports on our Twitter feed. And don't forget that you can find us, the Wide Open Sportscast, on Google Play, iTunes, TuneIn, and SoundCloud as well. And don't forget to share the podcast. We might be switching our studio locations, but we will still be the same exact places on your phone. Exactly. So, uh, let's get into a few of our quick segments here. Let's get into what we are watching. And Rick, I had a little bit of a nostalgic trip today. What's that? Again, being a teacher and having off 1 o'clock in the afternoon, not knowing what to do with myself, I was scrolling through and found on the NHL Network. First, they showed the film, um, like the DVD special that I still have at my parents' house. Of the 2003 Stanley Cup champion New Jersey Devils. And went through the whole thing about their season, bringing in Langenbrunner, all the interviews, and then they run through the playoffs, beating the Mighty Ducks in seven. And then right after that, they re-showed game seven of the Stanley Cup, um, where they beat the Ducks. I had to run out to the store, but I came back right in time to re-watch I remember watching with my parents and just going nuts. Watching Jeff Friesen put the puck past the Jiggy to go up 3 nothing with like four minutes to go. And just that Classic. moment that you knew we did it. And I just love Friesen, um, his goal celebration when he just puts a stick in the air and puts his hand behind his back and just going down ice. And everyone's jumping on him. That was, that was a classic moment. Um, absolutely love that. Yeah, here's a question for you. Do you consider that Devils era of say ninety, like mid nineties to mid two thousands? Would you consider that Devils team a dynasty? Uh, mid nineties to mid two thousands. So winning, winning the Stanley Cup in ninety five. I would, I would 2000, 2003, and then they lost to the Avalanche in 01. Because I mean, during that time span, I uh, was the most consistent time for the for the Devils because they made the playoffs every year for like almost twenty years and made the Stanley Cup four, four year four four like they were in the Stanley Cup Finals four out of eight years. Yes. So I mean. Definitely, 100%. I would call that a dynasty. Uh, because funny, at that time, they didn't say that. But when you watch the parade, because you also, even though you had the Devils at that time, you the Avalanche were still good. The Avalanche got two cups. The Red Wings got a few cups in there as well. So people also threw in. It wasn't like like this Patriots like just absolute dominance. You it, had, you it had wasn't, the, the it wasn't Devils, a dominant dynasty, but it was a dynasty of consistency. Oh, 100%. It was and even uh, Scott, Scott Stevens at the parade walked off saying, a few years from now, you'll call this team a dynasty. Yeah. Him and Brodeur were saying, you know, we're not, you wouldn't consider us a dynasty now, but a few years down the road from now, you'll be saying that this era of the New Jersey Devils were a dynasty. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would, dude, I would those say those teams yes. were phenomenal. But I mean, I'm also biased. I, I am biased too. So I mean, but, if, dude, those if you teams... guys have anything on that, if the Devils team from the mid '90s to the mid 2000s are they a dynasty or not? Yes or no? Dude, give dude, it. That team was let's, great. Let's put that up on the poll. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll put that up on the poll there. Uh, what I'm watching, a couple of things. One, obviously, my fantasy teams. I have drafted three teams so far. Fourth one I'll be drafting on Thursday night. So will I, except it'll be my second. And 
Another, another, I love YouTube series. I, 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 YouTube, I get a lot of, a lot of entertainment out of YouTube. And do you know SB Nation? Yes. Okay, SB Nation has a awesome YouTube channel. So, they have many different series, like, they have a series for weird rules and sports, uh, rivalries, like, awesome bitter, bitter rivalries that have happened. They just came out with a new one, uh, and it's more of a documentary. It's four episodes. Each one is about 25, more or less, minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Foul Play, Paid in Mississippi. And it's about the uh, the old it's about Ole Miss and Mississippi State, uh, and the payment allegations and the uh, the punishments from the NCAA mm-hmm. and and how they were kind of unfair and how different players college players got involved from both schools. It is really good because it started off. Remember uh, Laramie. Tunsil, he's a offensive lineman. Yeah, I remember Tunsil. Yeah, and he like the night of the draft, he got a yeah, video. He's the came guy out. who took the giant um yeah, like, someone gas re- mask. Someone re- yeah released a video of him with a giant gas mask and just blowing out smoke everywhere. And also at the same time, there's... stay off the damn weed. <laughs> and also at the same time, there was uh uh text messages that came out like at. For him asking coaches for some sort of payment, uh, it goes deep dive into that. Plus, other players that were involved in what what are called bagmen. Bagmen are people that are not related to the school with the money to pay these players. Mm-hmm. And it goes into the circle of bagmen around Mississippi that are paying these players, and how until the NCAA changes the rules that these players should be paid, which they 100% should be paid, this cheating is going is always going to happen. And it's the only way the NCAA is ever going to find out is with leaks like this and random things like this. I so, think that that has been our stance on the topic ever since we started this podcast, is that the athletes just need to get paid, and that's the only way it's going to end. And you have time before you go back to school and start teaching. It's about an hour and a half of a video here. Watch it. I will. It is, I have a week. It is really good. I'm actually off tomorrow. I have no soccer tomorrow. So. And, and, and anyone, anyone listening to this, the series is called Foul Play, Paid in Mississippi. Definitely watch this. Definitely. I'll give it a look. So that's what we're watching. Now... Let's jump into the questionable call. And this is also a little something I was watching. I got a little kick out of. Um, a, a random baseball game was happening this week. And it surfaced around the internet. Uh, videos of the commentator of the game going off on two girls who sat on their cell phones the entire game. They were watching through a camera. And literally, they were sitting on their cell phones the entire game. Not paying any attention to what was going on and also along those same lines there was people talking about and a lot of sports commentators talking about a picture that surfaced of tiger woods in 2008 teeing off and everybody watching him 2018 tiger woods teeing off everyone watching him by videotaping him on their cell phones 
So that, that's just something reminded me of that. But with the the sports commentator had an excellent rant about it, and just talking about something dumb that the fans are doing. So Rick, this week's questionable call is: if you had to pick your favorite moment of a sports analyst going off about something dumb a fan was doing in the bleachers while watching the game, what would it be? I'll let you go first because I gotta think. All right, so mine is. <laughs> I'm laughing thinking about it now. Um, my cousin who actually showed me it. Being um, my cousin and I are big Red Sox fans together. Um, it was something called the "Here Comes the Pizza" affair. So it was in the seventh or the eighth inning of a late August Red Sox Angels game, and the Red Sox were winning eight to one. The game was already long over. And a Red Sox player hit a foul ball towards the foul line. And a was this fan... At, was this at Fenway? This or? was in Fenway, correct. Okay. This was in Fenway. Uh, and a fan interrupted with the Angels player catching it. So you would think, oh, um, that guy in Fenway Park just saved the Red Sox guy from getting out because he easily would have been out. Yeah. Um, so you think that Red Sox fans would have been happy with it. Well, the guy spilled his beer everywhere, and then on the camera, they're looking at it, and they're like, oh, it looks like he got a little bit of mud on him on his way in, too. He's just not having a good day. But then they thought they saw something fly on the corner of the screen. So in between innings, the commentators went back, and they did some what they call... <laughs> investigative reporting so what they did is they found literally about five six rows back some random guy in a patriots jacket took a giant full slice of pizza and beamed the guy who interfered with the foul ball and like the shoulder (laughs) and the guy just got absolutely drenched and not only his own beer but also a slice of pizza that some guy probably spent 10 bucks on at the ballpark. He, he, and he, he, he got beer on him and pizza? He, and the, the announcers literally spend five minutes. Like, the game's going on, and all they're talking about is the fact that a guy had the audacity to take a giant full slice of pizza and bean a guy, a fellow Red Sox fan. Talk about getting sauced. And they just keep talking. It's like they're like trying to find it, and they got its name because they they're like, oh yeah. So here's what we found. You know, I don't I don't have my teleprompter pen, so I can't tell. But look, here comes the pizza, and they can't stop laughing. And all they do is talk about the fact that the guy got thrown out for full for flinging a slice of pizza at the guy, and they're like, like what's your thought process? Well, honey. I'm going to go to the ballpark today, and if a guy interferes with the game, I'm throwing a slice of pizza at him. And they're joking around, like, saying, like, hey, that the guy's not only ever allowed in Fenway Park ever again, he's never allowed to buy a slice of pizza anywhere near Fenway Park ever again. But I highly suggest you watch it. It's, the, it, it's called the entire Here Comes the Pizza Affair. I still watch it, and it is absolutely hysterical. Uh, Rick, what did you get? I gave you some time to think. What would you say? Uh... Give me, give me a second here. Your, your ranting confused me. Uh, it's okay, just, it's just a pizza. I, uh, here comes the pizza. Uh, probably the uh, it was like 2014 or so when the Yankees fan was sleeping 
in the middle of a Yankees Red Sox game. And the commentators started literally the camera started when they came back from commercial on this guy and they were questioning if he was there alone mm-hmm. or if he was uh if his friend who was eating chicken fingers next to him, I think it was, or some sort of food. But I think the funnier part about that is I remember the guy put in like a multi million dollar lawsuit for for something like the like the deflaming whatever like make making someone look bad pretty much didn't go anywhere but he tried suing the the broadcast company for showing him sleeping in the middle of a boston red sox yankees game so i mean you deserve to get made fun of for that i don't know if that's a good one but that's one i'm thinking about right now yeah it's to say that if you're falling asleep during red sox yankees you deserve to be made fun of like come on that's really bad. Uh, so, with that, let's get into the final drive. Um, this week, NBC debuted what's known as the Green Zone, where what they do is they take a space. They basically go from the line of scrimmage to wherever the first down marker is and make it darker green than the rest of the field. So that way you can see the exact distance they need to go for the first down. Because the yellow line obviously wasn't working anymore. Uh, I don't have to see how that works. I mean, I'm so used to the yellow line. I mean, if that, I mean, if it works. Like literally, imagine it's just like so. Say the say the Steelers have like third and eight, and it's just eight yards of darker grass, and there's no more yellow line. It's just if they go past where the grass is darker, you know they got the first down. You know, I'll give it to NBC for trying new things. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I mean, last year. I didn't like it, but they did the uh, the aerial cam the whole whole game, or was that that was like NFL? That Network. was NFL Network. But it was NBC broadcaster, so I think yeah. it has something to do with NBC. They had they had the overhead cam, so it was like Madden cam the whole time. Mm-hmm. No one really liked it, but at least they tried it. So I give NBC for some sort of credit for trying these things, because maybe it does look better than a yellow line. But I mean, I don't know if it'll definitely replace the yellow. Yeah. We'll have to see. What's next? YouTube stars Logan Paul and KSI fight ended in a tie, a boxing match that was highly anticipated for young YouTube fans. Uh, Because it ended in a tie, they agreed to a rematch. Like that wasn't already agreed upon. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I I want boxing to be fair, but I mean, after the Triple G Canelo fight, I mean... That's what we've come to now. Yeah. YouTube stars fighting each other. In I, if, if it's good, then it's good. Yeah. I mean, we got... We got... Uh, McGregor Mayweather. Yeah, thank you. We got that. I mean, one was a boxer and one wasn't, but I mean, they're, they're still fighters. Mm-hmm. And that was entertaining. Yeah. So, I agree. I, I mean, if, if it's entertaining stuff, then I like it. Yeah. I mean, I always liked... The, when, I was, when I was little, I always liked that show Bully Beatdown. I remember that. Where they they would have some what, some guy's bully face against like a real MMA star. Yeah. I, I never thought it would actually do anything, but it was fun just to watch some dude wail. Well, they know. had one once where Deshaun Jackson went to a schoolyard with like John Runyon from the uh, Eagles. 
and found the kid's bully. He was like, yo, you better not mess with this kid the other, uh, like, ever again. And he was like, okay, okay, I got it. <laughs> um, Crystal Palace manager Roy Hodgson sounds out about Watford soccer clubs, football clubs, technically, because it's in England, um, their mascot, Henry the Hornet, before the matchup, because he believes that the team's mascot is a disaster because he has a history, Henry the Hornet, of mocking Crystal Palace players. Um, Wilfred Zaha last year in the game at Watford had dived and Henry the Hornet dived in front of him on the sidelines to make fun of him. So, Roy Hodgson does not believe that Henry the Hornet should be anywhere within the confines of the pitch because he is a quote-unquote disgrace. That would have been a better boxing match than Logan Paul and KSI. 70-whatever Roy Hodgson. 70-year-old Roy Hodgson against a mascot. Uh, Andy Dawn receives a hero's welcome in Bengals week three preseason against the Buffalo Bills for after blowing the game in week 17 to get the Buffalo Bills into the playoffs. No, it, so it, that was the Ravens blew it. The Bengals had that big fourth down conversion oh, that's, that's that went right. into the that's touchdown. Right, that's right. That, I got that wrong. Correct. But yeah, he got a huge standing ovation there. Um, pressure has mounted on Manchester United's Jose Mourinho after the one and only Tottenham Hotspur defeated them yesterday 3-0 at Old Trafford. He stormed out of the press conference by mocking every other single manager in the Premier League by saying, yeah, 3-0. You know what that score is? It's the same thing. Three. I have three, I have three um, premiership titles. That's more than every other manager in the league combined. Respect. Got up and left. Uh, he's going to be fired any day now. <laughs> Can't wait. What you got next? After making a huge third down tackle, Kiko Alonso, who was so pumped up, ran to the wrong sideline and stood there for a little bit before he got pointed in the right direction. But you know what the funny thing is? It was the Ravens sideline. And remember the last time the Dolphins and Ravens matched up with each other, Kiko Alonso nearly took out Joe Flacco's head. And John Harbaugh wanted to slit his throat. Yeah. And then he was standing next to him, and John Harbaugh looked at him like, dude, wrong sideline. <laughs> he's like, oh, okay. Um, Chelsea manager Maurizio Sarri is trying to curb an 80-cigarette-a-day addiction by chewing unlit cigarettes on the sideline during matches for Chelsea. In England, it is outlawed to smoke any type of cigarettes or anything along those lines within the confines of the ground. So Maurizio Sarri cannot smoke a cigarette, can't smoke 86 a day during the games. Why does he just do like chewing tobacco? So he is chewing unlit cigarettes. Why does he just do chewing tobacco? I have no idea. But he is chewing unlit cigarettes. Maybe they actually don't have them. Chelsea said that they are going to find make a special room for him in the stadium where he can smoke like during halftime. 80 cigarettes. 80 said that dude, that's five packs a day. That's five. Five packs a day. How? And and, and his addiction is so bad he chews unlit cigarettes. Not wacky tobacco. Unlit cigarettes. Uh, I gotta gotta do some math here. So 60 minutes later, so 24, that's uh, 1,440 minutes in a day so let's divide that by 80 every 18 minutes he's smoking a cig and there's 90 minutes in a premier league match 
a little bit more with extra time and so stoppage time added that, on. So that's probably six cigarettes during that time. That Maybe. he's missing out on, so he's chewing on them. What? Why? Dude, he's <laughs> chewing tobacco. Oh, no, there's, no, he's never seen baseball. What you got next? So the Dodger Stadium lost power this weekend. And the uh, Barstool Starting Nine podcast, uh, their Twitter page came out, or I don't know if they were the ones that come out with it, but it was where I saw it, where they they themed it to the Undertaker intro walkout yeah. music. The stadium goes dark, he's here to dong. That was awesome. <laughs> that was really funny. I like that a lot. Um, Flyers goalie Alex Lyon will don a sixth sense goalie mask this year. Where the one side is the Flyers logo, looks pretty cool, but then yeah. the other half is the face of Bruce Willis and the kid from Sixth Sense and the whole I see dead people. It looks very, very weird. Yeah, I, I, I agree. The, the one side, I mean, it's the Flyers logo with like, like little cracks and like a couple other things in it. It looks pretty cool. The other side, it's just weird seeing, uh, I can't. I can't remember the kid's name. Yeah. But seeing that, it's like he's the biggest face there. That's weird. That is uh, a weird goalie mask on that side. Uh, next, uh, Eurostep Manager Obli has retired from the NBA. The greatest six man ever. Yeah, totally agree there. Um, that that's a real shame. Real shame. I wouldn't say it's a shame. I mean, it's just a shame 41. because we, it's a shame because it's the NBA's like you know. Is it's losing a, it's a talent. That is the finally the. I mean, it's been gone, but that is finally the, the end, end of the, the Spurs. Yeah, the end of the Spurs dynasty. Yeah, him walking out. I mean, rightfully so, walking out with a very very good career and should be an Olympic gold medal. Olympic gold medal. When Ar- Argentina upset the USA. Olympic gold medal, multiple. NBA championships. He should be a can't forget sixth man of the year. Sixth man of the year. He should be a uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. Agreed, hundred percent. Along with Duncan and uh, and Parker. It's funny um, how today I was rewatching the Devils 2003 Stanley Cup. They also uh, had the New Jersey Nets NBA Finals against the Spurs when the Spurs beat the Nets in six on the other day on NBA TV. So I guess it's just that part of the season now where it's awkwardly between preseason games and the end of the finals. So it's like, okay, we're just going to show old games now. Uh, And lastly, J.J. Watt has announced his plan and has officially distributed the $40 million-plus he raised for Hurricane Harvey relief. Good on you, J.J. Watt. Yeah, that's going to be incredible. I mean, mean, helping them is, is like, the most incredible thing. Mm -hmm. So... Not the last thing. This just popped up on my cell phone. Apparently, Kirk Cousins left $90 million guaranteed from the Jets to accept the Vikings offer. Wow. I don't blame him necessarily. Mm-hmm. But that's $90 million guaranteed. That would... I mean, he already changed contracts for QBs from now on. Yeah. That would have... Change that's unbelievable. That would have changed everything. Wow, but with that, uh, cheers to our final podcast in the New Hope Studios. Agreed, my friend. It's been a great ride, it's been a great ride. We will miss our friendly confines here, but we're gonna get two new friendly confines, and I can't wait. Yeah, dude, it's going to be awesome to continue the journey with you. And again, you can find us on SoundCloud google play 
iTunes. iTunes. And tune in. Um at Wide Open Sportscast. And don't forget us on Twitter at Wide Open underscore sports. And that's the poll of the week. Tell us, were the mid-90s, the 1995 to 2003 New Jersey Devils, is it a dynasty or not? You better say yes. I'm doing, dealing with two Devils fans here. I'm Rick. I'm Feds. And for the last time from New Hope, have a good night. See ya. Do you believe these guys are our future leaders in America? Thank you so very much. For all the appreciation and all the great moments that we've experienced together. You stay classy. That's all, folks.